The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. This is CBS. Jim Nance along with Bill Raftery at the Greensboro Coliseum. Number one, Duke in front by 17, second half. And CBS sports coverage of the NCAA basketball championship will continue after this message and a word from your local stations. Hello friends. 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 Final seconds. Jordan will put up the jumper. It doesn't matter. Duke has won its first national championship. Too much time. Too much time. Great defense, Arkansas. And they take it away. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas in home heaven. They've won the first ever national championship. Trajan Langdon's going to take it to Langdon to the floor and try to get it off. He doesn't have a lot of time here. Pressure from Jones. Langdon trips. And UConn has done it. El Amin comes over and says, we shot the world. Folks, you got to believe because just when people say you can't, you can. And UConn has won the national championship in its first attempt in a final. Kansas has made only two threes on the night. They must make one here to extend the game. Collins driving, almost lost the handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it! For two seconds! Unbelievable! It's Hayward pulling it down. Getting around Zubat at midcourt. Launches the shot. Oh, and almost went in! It's Page off balance. Puts it Trying to go length of the court with Archie Diakono. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. The national champions with Jenkins hitting the winner at the buzzer. Monk to tie it. Oh, impossible shot. Pinson with five. Looks up. Driving in. May for the win. North Carolina with 0.3 seconds to go. 
at all in college basketball. UNBC makes history in Charlotte. Duzang, again with the ball in his hands, in the paint, floater, short, got it back, ties it with three. Gonzaga has time to do something. Socks for the win. Oh, yes! Oh, yes! Unbelievable! Unbelievable! The perfect season remains on go! Is this actually happening right now? Hello? Hey, guys, what's going on? Hey, Jim, uh, what's up? First of all, I love what you've done with the show. It's an honor that you guys have gone ahead and dedicated this, your annual, highly anticipated first episode of March by bringing back all those epic moments from years past. I can't believe it. What memories those bring for me. Hey, listen, I'm so excited to call the NCAA tournament one last time. It's my 37th year broadcasting it, 32 years on play-by-play at the Final Four. It's crazy. It's been a it's been a gift. Anyway, in just a few weeks, that's all heading our way. But in the meantime, I want you to know how much I appreciate the gesture. I really do. But let's get to the needle drop already. We got to give the people what they want. I'm in full-on college hoops mode right here, right now, Norlander. I need the song now. Oh, actually, before you play the song, <laughs> I think you missed one classic call. I did? Absolutely. I remember it like it was yesterday. 2008, a Monday night in San Antonio. Two number one seeds battling to the buzzer with a championship on the line. Yeah, no, that's the stuff we dream about in sports. But, Jim, I already put the Chalmers call in earlier. Did you miss that part? Chalmers? I'm talking about Robert. Dozier. Dozier. Of course. One of the greatest what-ifs in the history of sports. Dozier at midcourt for the championship. No, we're going to overtime in San Antonio. Beautiful, beautiful. The best month of the year is here. We're less than two weeks away from Selection Sunday, and then it's the NCAA tournament on CBS. Dozier for the championship. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. That was my favorite part. In fact, as you were showing the Chalmers clip and cut it right before Dozier for the championship, I was like, that's an editing mistake. How could you cut out Dozier for the championship and then you circle back? That was terrific. I'm fired up. I am so fired up, and I hope everyone listening is also fired up. My thanks to the one and only Jim Nance for doing that and appearing on the show we had some. We already, as we are watching live on YouTube, we have people uh, claiming that is AI Jim. That is actually Jim Nance. He cut that on Monday for us, and uh, was all too kind to do it. This is, of course, his final season doing the NCAA tournament for CBS. If you are curious on those calls, we will detail each one at the start of the show. You can check out the podcast description. I'll tell you which year 
Each of those calls was from the very first one you heard was Jim Nance and Bill Raftery in 1986 on his first game he ever called for CBS Duke versus Old Dominion in the second round of the tournament. Back then, the NCAA produced the first round. CBS did not start broadcasting until the second round. So this will be his 32nd Final Four. Appropriately enough, it's going back to Houston where he went to college and he'll be on his 37th and final call. So there was no other choice but to get Jim Nance involved in the show. Jim, thank you. Thank you very, very much. That was uh, that was awesome to put together. And thank you, of course, to Nada as well for helping. With that said, hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black. Island College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike Subs. Jersey Mike's a sub above. That's Matt Norlander, March Norlander. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room in New York City. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Do that while you're here. All right, dead leg. Let's get into it. On Tuesday night, Kansas beat Texas Tech 67-63 to secure at least to share the Big 12 title for the 17th time in 20 seasons under Bill Self. It is a ridiculous accomplishment. Obviously, uh, I have no idea what the so-called power conference is going to look like going forward. Neither does the Pac-12 commissioner. That said, I am comfortable saying no power conference coach will ever again win 17 conference regular season titles in 20 years. My first question for you, dead leg, do you agree with that statement? I do agree with that statement. And I saw earlier this morning, let me bring it up so I got it right. Did you see CJ Moore's tweet on this? I, I, I actually read his story at the Athletic because it had a lot of um, really a lot of good, stuff in it. Like, I know the surface level, um, like, this is amazing. Let me tell you how in 30 seconds type of stuff for television. But CJ had some more stuff in there among them that since Bill Self has been at Kansas, and won 17 regular season titles, the school that is in second place is North Carolina with nine. He has eight more conference titles in the past 20 years um, than any other school in a high major league. And if Bill Self, uh, this is CJ Sweet, if Bill Self were, were a university... Which seems like <laughs> Bill Self should be a university. Exactly. That's that 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 the university of Bill Self is perfect for this podcast. If Bill Self were a university, he well, should be the university be of Bill Self. If that were the case, let's be real. But if he were a university, he'd rank ninth all time in regular season high major conference championships as a person. If he were a university, so this is never going to be duplicated. And what I said on HQ. Last night, and I think this morning I did an overnight hit too. I said uh, KU should be a lock for one seed. I think two games ago. Now it's undeniable. There's Kansas is going to be a lock. That they're one seed. There's nothing that's going to happen. They got 15 quad one wins. It's a record. They're going to get more. Um, number one overall seed should actually probably be Kansas right now. Should Kansas be the number one team in the country? The metrics still have Houston. In fact, kind of strangely enough, uh, Kansas is behind Purdue. And, and predict metrics if you want to just strictly go Ken Palm right now. And some of this is because it's lost, but it's Houston, UCLA, Bama, Tennessee, 
Connecticut, Purdue, Kansas is seventh at Ken Palm. So there is a little bit of a, a divergence here in terms of when we watch Kansas. And it did get pushed. I mean, it got pushed by Texas Tech. And boy, that was just a sour, sour way for it to go for Tech fans. When you see Kevin McCuller get that ball on the scramble and hit the putback after it, feel, it felt like six different guys were trying to get their hands on it in closing seconds there. So they did get a tight a tight, tight game against Texas Tech, which is outside the tournament picture. But Kansas, in many ways, feels like right there with Houston is maybe just the, the team you trust most or that might be most deserving of of uh, of number one billing. And I actually think right now I would put Kansas as the number one overall seed in the field ahead of Houston, ahead of Alabama, and ahead of UCLA. Bracket projections aren't going to reflect that, but this might just be a matter of of time more than anything else, because the more quad one wins that get racked up, if they come, got to win at Texas this weekend. But if that happens, I just think the high end is going to be so irrefutable. And plus, like they'll have six losses at most. Um, there will be a very, very good case for it. Well, let me ask you this, because um, I, I'm genuinely not conflicted. That's not the right word, but um, confused on how to handle this. I, I'm usually pretty certain. I mean, uh, while acknowledging all of any kind of ranking or seating is subjective, I'm usually pretty certain and like, well, this is what I should do about this team or that team or whatever team. Um, I don't know how to handle this Kansas situation right now because currently I have them, the Jayhawks, behind Houston and Alabama. It's one Houston, two Alabama, three Kansas in the top 25, and one. If you care, four UCLA, five Purdue. Um, Houston is better in just about every computer, if not every computer. Um, Alabama is also having a historically great season in its league. But Kansas does have four more Quadrant One wins than anybody else in the country. Kansas has six more Quadrant One wins than Alabama and 11 more Quadrant One wins than Houston. At what point do you, as a bracketologist or somebody who ranks basketball teams just say, I'm going to respect the 15 and five record in quadrant one with zero additional losses. And I'm jumping Kansas right to the top. Kansas should be number one in the AP poll, coaches poll, top 25 and one. Hey, 19. And <laughs> yes, the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I wrestled with this uh, last night and today. I've, I've made my decision. Uh, Houston uh, will be number one in the Hay 19 because I do also reward uh, significant winning streaks. Houston has one loss since December 10th, and it is comfortably the number one team in the country in metrics. So I will have Houston one. I will have Kansas two. But to your question here, a lot of this gets cleared up by Saturday night because if Kansas does go into Texas and gets the win on the Longhorns floor. And we'll see if that's for a share or not. Texas is playing at TCU. It's the best game of the night on Wednesday. If Texas wins that, then it can win on Saturday, a scenario we, we put forward to everyone here a couple episodes back, and they can share a title. By the way, Texas has not shared or finished atop the Big 12 standings. Trivia time. Do you know it? I said it on HQ. Do you know the year? When Texas finished last finished atop the Big 12 standings. That's right. The year after Kevin Durant. You are bingo, bango on the money. 2008 was the last time Texas could claim any kind of share of a regular season title in I just, the Big 12. I, I just remember saying that a lot back then. Like, um, okay. Texas lost Kevin Durant and got better. Like, that was a fact. Yeah. Seems crazy, but that was a fact. 
Um, I'm seeing comments here. I thought about this exact same too. Like, let's get Houston in the Big 12. This will be interesting if Houston can be this kind of team next season. And and once it's in the Big 12 and and how we uh, how we will view the Cougars, obviously, they're going to take more than two losses. Even if they had the same exact roster in the Big 12, they wouldn't be able to sustain this. But Houston does rate as the number one team. Again, comfortably in all predictive metrics, Houston is rates as the best team in college basketball. And when it comes to like seeding overall, it hasn't had the same opportunities. I don't want to punish Houston for the league that it plays in because it has proven it uh, this season and pre- previous seasons don't matter, should not matter when it comes to seeding. But in terms of perception, there is no avoiding it. Houston made a final four two years ago. Last season, it knocked off an Arizona team that a lot of people thought was capable of uh, certainly going to the final four, if not winning a national championship. So the reputation of Houston has been improved. Although that being said, I still don't think it's getting quite enough credit for being hello rated as the best team in the sport for about two months. That all said, if you want to have the case here for Kansas, uh, I'm with you on that. We talked about it in the previous show, self front runner for national coach of the year. I'm still there on that. Shaka Smart is still my number two, but it's a good debate. And that debate probably gets closed in terms of Kansas's. I don't want to say close, close, I guess. But if Kansas wins at Texas this weekend, I just don't think, I don't think personally, a road win at Texas, another Q1 win up to 16. There's really keeping KU off the number one overall seed. And as a few viewers in our chat have pointed out, there's actually a, a good subplot to all of this in that Purdue and Kansas will be fighting for the Midwest. And I mean, Purdue could go to Louisville. It doesn't really matter. I guess it doesn't really matter all that much there. But um, the number one overall seed gets to pick the path. The first week and the second week in destination, no other school gets afforded that opportunity. You have to be the number one overall seed to get that option. I can't get my head to move on from Bill Self University. He really should be his own university. Remember like when Kanye West was going to start his own religion? And then, and then, of course, he like said a bunch of wild stuff, and n- now he's disappeared, and we're not even allowed yeah. to listen to his music anymore or wear his shoes. But there was a time where he was like, I don't need to be a part of somebody else's religion. I can just start my own religion. I feel like Bill Self could do that. Um, as it pertains to a university, you start Bill Self University, you apply for accreditation. I don't think you need that. Okay, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if Bill Self University would be accepted. We, you know, the, the people that are just seeing the jokes fly through their head right now. I, I hear you. I, hear I you. think Bill Self University would be. I would enroll my children there. Yeah. <laughs> I would enroll my children there. We'd get an Adidas scholarship, and we go to Bill Self University, and then we would apply for admission to the Big 12. And then he, what if he just started winning Big 12 titles nonstop at Bill Self University? Wouldn't that be amazing? It would. I mean, if it we would. have Oral Roberts University, I don't know why we can't have Bill Self University. Uh, exactly. And Bill Self, connection to Oral Roberts. Yes. Former coach there. So, so there we go. By the way, one more thing I just want to correct myself. Someone else is also pointing out Houston vying for that seed for and it would like to go to Kansas City. So Purdue would certainly be in Louisville, probably. Kansas City is the other regional. That would be Kansas. And so Kansas and Houston are more fighting for territory, if you will, for second weekend, which which does mean a lot. I mean, it's the difference between going to Vegas or potentially Louisville or New York City. Not the end of the world, but you want to travel as close to home as possible. Just some stuff on Kansas that highlights exactly how incredible this is because as i said on inside college basketball on tuesday night we just sort of gloss over this stuff like hey, yeah, yeah yeah kansas won another big 12 title like well it, it's almost like well of course they did that's what they always do um but it shouldn't be glossed over this is absolutely insane 
what Bill Self is doing and has been doing for 20 years. First off, from last season's team, they lost six of their top eight scores, including two first-round picks, 74% of their scoring. And now they've won a 17th Big 12 title. And like you noted, it could be an outright title if Texas loses at TCU on Wednesday night or if Kansas wins at Texas on Saturday. And if it becomes an outright title, it'll be 12 outright Big 12 titles in 20 years at Kansas, 17 Big 12 titles, at least a share of them in 20 years at Kansas. As I've noted before, Mike Krzyzewski was at Duke for 42 years. He's widely considered the GOAT of men's college basketball coaching. 42 years at Duke, he won 13 regular season conference championships. Again, Bill Self has 17 and 20. Bill Self has four more conference championships in 22 fewer seasons at his school than Mike Krzyzewski one at Duke. That's insane. Um, here's what's also part of this story. Bill Self won two whack regular season titles at Tulsa and two Big Ten regular season titles at Illinois. So check this out. That means Bill Self has coached in three different leagues in the past 25 years and won 21 regular season conference championships in that span. What? What are we talking about here? What are we even talking about here? Dozier for the championship. And the other thing that makes it interesting is, I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, but in modern history, you look at most of John Calipari's great teams at Kentucky, and it's mostly tied to you just enrolled incredible five-star freshman projected lottery picks. It's John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. It's Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. You get the point. Anthony, uh, uh, Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, right? At, at, at Kansas, this team is mostly guys who were on last season's team, and they're just, they've been developed, and they're playing bigger roles. Jalen Wilson was the third leading scorer on last season's team, 11.1 points per game. He's now the leading scorer at Kansas, 19.6. Yes, after that, it's Grady Dick, a five-star freshman, and Kevin McCullough, a transfer from Texas Tech. But after that, fourth-leading scorer, K.J. Adams, averaged one point per game last season. Now he's at 10.6. After that, Dewan Harris, averaged 5.4 points per game last season, now 8.7 starting point guard. Joseph Yesipu, 2.1 points per game last season, 3.7 this season. A slight increase, but he's a meaningful player this season. In other words, this isn't like – Bill Self enrolled the top-ranked recruiting class in the country with three projected lottery picks, and that's how Kansas is competing for a national championship again. Kansas is largely competing for back-to-back national titles because role players on last season's team have developed into meaningful players, if not stars, um, for, for this season's team. Four of the top six scores at Kansas we're on last season's team. They're now just playing bigger roles and they're flourishing. And it is why, like I've said many times over the past few days, Bill Self would get my vote for national coach of the year. I understand a vote. Like if you just said right now, hey, GP, here's 500 bucks. Can you make a case for Shaka Smart? I could convince you that Shaka Smart should be the national coach of the year. There's a compelling, if not convincing, case to be made for Shaka. I got no problem with anybody saying my vote would go to Shaka Smart but I would lean ever so slightly to Bill Self based on everything I just said. I agree, but you want to talk Shaka? 
I agree. It would be, it would be self here, but I think I think we should hit on Shaka as well and what uh, what he finally not finally, but just you know uh, materially uh, accomplished this week. We'll call this period new paragraph. Shaka Smart's current school and one of his former schools both run uh, both won outright league titles on Tuesday night. We're going to get into that next, but first a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Shaka Smart's current school and one of his former schools both won outright league titles on Tuesday night. Marquette is your outright Big East champion. VCU is your outright A-10 champion. Meantime, as we've noted, Texas still has a chance at a Big 12 title. So by Saturday night, this is possible, all three places where Shaka Smart has been a head coach could call themselves league champions. Not sure that means anything, but it is a way to set up uh, to talk about Marquette and VCU, what they've done this season. Let's start with Marquette. Pick ninth in the Big East, now outright Big East champions. It is quite an accomplishment. You know, Power Conference League, you're not usually picked that low and then actually win the thing outright, but that is what Marquette has done. Yep. Shaka Smart's done an incredible job. Featured him on the court report about two, three weeks back. Uh, feel free to, to seek that out if you didn't read it already. But I, I, I detailed some of that here on the show. But he basically, you know, he stuck with his team. He's got like 19 sophomores by designation. Some of these are third-year players. Some are second-year players. And did not add a Division One transfer this past offseason. And as the story detailed, there were a few guys that he was involved with who they were recruiting out of the portal in early April. And then the Nigel Pack news hit where Nigel Pack's deal for $800,000 and two years to go play at Miami uh, changed everything. Shaka told me, he's like, that changed the dynamic of college basketball transfer recruiting overnight. And there were a few players they were recruiting and suddenly those conversations shifted and Shaka went to his staff and said, I'm not doing this. I don't, like these transfers enough to jeopardize what I think will be a very good team and the dynamic we have here. So we're not going to do it. They did add one really good NAIA player who unfortunately got injured early in the season. He's out for the year. So there's no one that's a trans. They added one player, not D one. And everyone that's doing this was basically a role player or a decent player on last season's team. Tyler Kolek is probably got to be the Big East player of the year. And I don't say that reluctantly, but I, I understand that he might not be a name that's at the forefront of a, a lot of people are talking about some of the biggest players in college basketball. But I update my top 10 for the Naismith Award every every Monday for uh, for CBS Sports and the Socials. And I've had Kolick in my top 10 since we started doing this a few weeks back because it's it's almost impossible to, 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 to shut him out of that. He's averaging 12.5 points, 8 assists, 
I think I think he's second in the nation assist per game. Uh, he's also averaging four rebounds. He's been, and if you've watched the games, like they can win in a in a bunch of different ways. But Kolik is the in the proverbial straw that stirs the drink. Unquestioned, forty percent three point shooter. Uh, really good at at finding finding ways to get to the ten, but also facilitate. Uh, very creatively, tough as hell, and he did have the bleep him quote back at uh, at Biggie's preseason media day when they were asked about, "Hey, you know, you've you've been picked ninth. What are your thoughts on that?" And he said, "Bleep him." Well, here we go. The lowest team to ever. How about this? Marquette was ninth in the preseason. The Big East. There had never been a team picked lower in the preseason in that conference and gone on to win the league. Marquette has done it. It is also ranked this week. Was it six in the AP top 25? I saw the uh, I saw the nugget here. The last time it was ranked this highly was the late 70s in the AP top 25. So Marquette fans um, continue to rejoice. I can't wait to see your team at the Garden next week. You will uh, you will be playing and the one eight game is is the nooner. So you'll get that noon Thursday tip. And uh, yeah, I think. I think the general college basketball public will still be reluctant like no matter where Marquette is seated, I I bet you it will not be a trendy Final Four team. Right now, it's probably a th- it's probably a three seed. If it wins the Big East tournament, you, there's no keeping Marquette off the two line, in my opinion. But even if it gets to the two line, I can just see a situation where people are just like, ah, I don't want to pick all ones and twos. So if I pick a team to not do it, I'm going to pick against Marquette. I kind of feel like that's still coming. But I would advise against that, uh, not to say I'll definitely do it. As a reminder, this is operated as a top two points per possession offense for more than half the season. Chaka Smart has, man, you talk about your all-time, let me get out of Dodge and find a better place. He might be the best example of it we've seen in college basketball in the past decade. He needed to leave Texas. He left, and he is going to -to back-to-back tournaments in his first two seasons. And by year two, he is two, three years ahead of the plan, GP. Um. The case for Shaka Smart to be coach of the year isn't simply tied to the fact that he has wildly overachieved to relative to expectations because I hate that. I hate it when people try to argue somebody should be the national coach of the year or even a conference coach of the year simply because they, you know, were picked 13th and they finished fourth. Like, well, then how about this? Next season, don't have a roster that people look at and says, yeah, I think that's 14th. Like, part of coaching is roster building and recruiting and developing. So, hey, I was picked 14th in the league, and I finished sixth. Give me a Coach of the Year award. Like, you still finished sixth, and you maybe should have never been projected to finish 14th if you'd have done your job better in the offseason. So I don't like that as a rationalization. People also use it to to uh, discount the candidacy of coaches like Bill Self or Kelvin Sampson, they'll say, or Mick Cronin. They'll say, oh, well, they were supposed to be good, and they are good, so what's the big deal? Well, what are you talking about? Like, they were supposed to be good because they did their jobs incredibly well in the offseason and created rosters that people looked at and said, hey, they're supposed to be good. And then they went out and they did it. They lived up to expectations. It'd be like never giving an MVP to LeBron James because, well, you know, he was always supposed to be good. Okay. What? what, what? Happened to Jordan. Hey, listen, happened to Jordan 93. They gave it to Barkley. How'd that turn out? I know. I hear it. Yeah, it, it just, I, it might, it's actually real quick as an aside. Uh, 
the Joker right now from an NBA point, he he is better than his past two MVP seasons yeah. and people don't want to give it to him because what did they haven't done in the postseason and because it's you, it's not a new storyline, but it's undeniable that he is the best. He is the best player in the NBA from a statistical point. And then he's obviously the best player on the team. So to your point, this is something that infiltrates voting at every level of every major American sport. Right. And and by the way, just on this real quick, Nikola Jokic's MVP candidacy has never been stronger than it is right now. He's about to win a third straight MVP, and he should. And I do think voter fatigue is a real thing. People were looking for anybody else to vote MVP this year. Um, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, John Morant, you name it. But it's it's Nikola Jokic. I mean, he's averaging a triple-double for the team with the best record in the West. That guy has to be your MVP right now, and I don't imagine it's going to fall apart any time over the next month or so. So he's going to be a three-time MVP with three straight MVPs. Trivia time! Oh, boy. NBA trivia time. Okay, you know this. Okay, Why do you know this? You did not, you're not prep for this on the pod. Why do you know it before you ask it? You're talking – look at me. Look at okay. me. You're talking to a man who just did five straight time to shines last week. There we go. <laughs> so I'm doomed because I wasn't dialed into time to shine. All right. You, give it you, to me. What's got, oh, it sounds like somebody needs to watch time to shine a little bit more. I do. I do pop in, but, you know, usually making the kids dinner. Cleaning I, it up. I understand. Everybody's busy. Anyway, Everybody, what do we got? If Nikola Jokic becomes a, th- a th- three time MVP with three straight MVPs, he will join a club of three other men who have won three straight NBA MVPs. Can you name them? Jordan's won 96, 97, 98. Jordan's right? not one. He didn't win three in a row. So Jordan won. Uh, so Malone won it in 98. That's right. Jordan got 96, 97. Jordan got cut off twice from doing this. Um, three, uh, Kareem. Kareem is not one of them. It's an outrage. Larry is one of them. Larry Bird is the last, is the most recent player to do it. Uh, give me... So there's two others. Yes. This is a good trivia time. Um, hmm. Kareem never did it. The other two are bigs that predate Larry Bird, oh. and they played against each Wilt. other. Wilt. Wilt. That's right. And Russell. That's right. Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, and Larry Bird are the only three men to ever win three straight MVPs in the NBA. Nikola Jokic on the verge of becoming the fourth back to college basketball. The point I was trying to make about Shaka smarts candidacy is that um, this isn't just him overachieving. Like it's not as simple as he was picked ninth and he finished first. That's a national. He's got a top 10 team. Like he has a legitimate final four national championship caliber team. And so he's not just, I guess what I'm saying here is like the Chris Collins candidacy is rooted in, he was not supposed to be good, but he's good enough to make the NCAA tournament. Maybe he should be the Big Ten coach of the year. Well, he's still got, you know, a whatever. I mean, it's a good team, but. Wow, you just called Northwestern whatever. I mean, it's a good team, but it, it's not an elite team. We, we can agree. I know, I know. We, we can agree with that. Marquette, according to all of the stuff that you can point to, is an elite team. They're winning a conference championship in one of the best leagues in the country. They're in the top ten, and. They are also wildly overachieving to expectations. So if you want to make the shock a smart case, don't make it. He was picked ninth and finished first. It's not as simple as that. He was picked ninth, finished first, and has a top 10 team um, that, that has been absolutely fabulous all season. I will say on your story from a few weeks back, 
and the point you made about, you know, people started asking for money and I'm not just going to get involved in that. Like I respect it and it clearly worked with this team. I do not. And you know, like we'll see, I don't think that's a winning strategy going forward. I don't think he's, he's married to that. I also think the Marquette's NIL situation, I think there were a lot of factors that went into it. And I think it all happened really fast. And Shaka was just like, um, let's just not deal with this right now. I like my team enough. So I don't disagree with you. I just wanted to, to just put a little more context around why he thought what he thought. He's not anti-transfer portal at all. He's obviously there are transfer. Tyler Kolek started at George Mason. So right. he's not, he's not anti-transfer portal, but it was within the context of how everything flipped overnight where he was like, you know what? We're good. Actually. I'm, I'm good. He had, he had a great quote in there. Where he was like the idea that I would prioritize a mountain West transfer over Osa Igadaro is insane to me. So I, I respect that. And that's why he did that. Doesn't mean Marquette's not going to be going into the portal right. in about, well, literally, maybe they have an assistant looking at it right now, but like, or that's not actually open yet. But you get the point. Go. Yeah, I do. I, I just mean that going forward, I think to compete at the top of a league like the Big East consistently, you're not only going to have to get in the portal, you're going to have to buy players out of the portal. That's what I mean. I, I th- like if you have a hangup with that, and I'm not saying Shaka does. I, I realize the context here is Shaka had a hangup, hangup, hangup about it in that moment as it pertains to his current roster. I get it. But I think going forward, you probably have to you have to operate in that way or you're going to watch other schools not only beat you for potential players, but maybe take some of your own. With Tyler Kolick, big biggies player of the year, fine with me. What's interesting is that you don't usually see the second leading score on a team win conference player of the year. Usually it equates to leading score equals best player equals conference player of the year if you're taking one from this team and yet Kolick is the is the second leading scorer uh, at Marquette um behind Cam Jones that's my little homie from Memphis averaging 15 points 3.5 rebounds shooting 36.1% from 3 proud graduate of ECS and also played for team that Norton Hurd and was not really seriously pursued by the University of Memphis now he's the leading scorer on your outrate Big East championship team okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, for the uh, for the XMC of the A10 Media Day, yeah. you 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 brought up VCU. Pre-pandemic. What you, Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. All right, there we go. Yeah, there we go. I, listen, I'm not connecting one to the other, but... You are. Just say it. I never was the MC of Atlantic 10 Media Day during a time where it looked like a one-bid league. Yeah. Where are we at now? 
it's it is a one bit league to VCU fans hoping that uh, that you might have the the bandwidth to be able to withstand that. I find it highly unlikely, but the Rams did win the regular season. They're twenty three and seven. They've got a game against George Washington. If you make the A ten title game, like I am, actually willing to circle back and just see if there's something there. But I, I would highly, highly recommend yeah. you win that conference tournament, which actually might wind up being. Might wind up being fun because you've got VCU, Dayton, St. Louis, and Hello Fordham, which is having one of its best seasons ever. The Rams get a nice little nod in today's court report uh, for what they've been able to do. I highlighted a lot of small school single season turnarounds and what Keith Ergo has done ranks among the top five or six best stories at that level this season. So... I think that the the A10 tournament might provide a little bit of chaos because there's so much uncertainty. But VCU has clearly uh, shown itself to be the most reliable team. Like Dayton still rates pretty well and pretty closely as well. But credit to Mike Rhodes, he's a really really good coach and has kept the Rams, you know, a top you know one two three in the A10 basically almost every single season he's been there. Um, VCU was picked third in the preseason A10 poll now outright champions after last night's win at home. So they got to celebrate that in, in their home arena. VCU is the classic case of a team that if you put them in the NCAA tournament, they're good enough to win a game. But they might not get to the NCAA tournament. And that's because they're 1-1 one and one in quadrant 1, 2-4 and four in quadrant 2. So 3-5 and five in the first two quadrants. And they got two quadrant 4 losses to Jacksonville, and St. Bonaventure made my heart break a little bit when I realized St. Bonaventure was a quadrant four loss. That just doesn't, that didn't feel right. That's a tough spot. BC is also 67th in the net, 74th at Ken Palm. So they don't have the type of uh, computer numbers that can make a committee member take a second hard look at them. Like you're not going to feel bad about leaving the 74th team at Ken Palm out of the NCAA tournament or the, the team that's 67th in the net. These numbers don't mean everything, but I can just tell you when I'm doing the top 25 and one, I'm ranking largely on resumes. But then if there's somebody who's like 12th at Ken Palm that I don't have ranked, I, I go back and go, well, I got to look at this again because, you know, the numbers are the number. 67th in the net and 74th at Ken Palm isn't going to make anybody circle back to you. So I looked this up earlier. The at least because sometimes the A-10s had co-champs and like every other league. But at least one of the A-10 champions has made the NCAA tournament every year since 2005. And the A-10 champion might not make the NCAA tournament this year. Mm. If VCU doesn't win the A-10 tournament, it probably is not in the NCAA tournament. And that would break a long stretch for the Atlantic 10 of having at least one of your champions in the regular season make uh, make the, the, the NCAA tournament. On Fordham, I will say like, I, I looked this up last night. Their their school record for wins is twenty six. They're at twenty three mm-hmm. right now, so they're like they're there. They're they can do that. Yep. Yep. It's conceivable. And I know some people will point out that their non league strength of schedule was ranked. Do you know where? I think it's dead last. <laughs> dead last. Three sixty three. It's three sixty three in the country. All right, three sixty three out of three sixty. It's the war. And I was, but I was texting with a coach last night because I mentioned uh, Fordham on Inside College Basketball, and the coach texted me. And we were just sort of going back and forth. And, and I said, if you're Fordham, though, yeah. and you're Ergo in his yeah. first hit, 
Isn't that the way you should be scheduling? Yeah, that's just just you need wins. Yes, you need right wins. Up, yes, and 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 they've done it well in Leapla. They have they have set the league. Fordham has never made the tournament since it joined the A10 almost 30 years ago, and it's setting the league the program record for most league wins. So just take it however you can get it. Keith right. Ergo was a name that like. Basically, nobody knew when he was promoted after Neptune got the job. No one saw Jay Wright retiring. And so we got it. And Neptune did a great job in year one. Ergo has just taken it beyond that. It's a really, really cool story. And I'm really happy for the Fordham Rams. Yeah, like if you're in a league like the A-10 and at a program like Fordham and you look at your roster intelligently and say, you know what, we're probably not building an at-large resume to the NCAA tournament no matter what. At that point, you just schedule for wins. And you know what those wins can do? They're not going to help you build an at-large resume. Fordham is not sniffing the NCAA tournament unless it wins the A-10 auto bid. But you know what it can do? And this is what this, what this other coach told me last night as well. It can build confidence and momentum. Like there's something to be said for in your non-league just winning games yeah. as opposed to getting your brains beat in. Like those poor swack schools that just travel around the country and get their brains beat in all November and December, like that can take a toll on you. So I don't. I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Fordham's success in the A-10 is directly tied on some level to Fordham's scheduling in the non-league because they 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 learned to win, um, built some confidence, built some momentum, and now they're on the verge of maybe having the best record or at least the most wins in a season in, in school history. So that's a nice story. The A-10 tournament is going to be fun. Like We all like those one-bid tournaments because like the stakes are so high by the time we get to the championship game of the sec tournament it is almost always two teams that it are never means teams. anything it you, rarely you've had, means you've had so many instances where the sec tournament's like well they just got a really good win they should ju- jump up a seat or they took a terrible loss they should, <laughs> it does not matter tennessee the tournament final and the big 10 final are the two and unless literally it means an auto bid they do not matter. They are less significant than anything else of the of the thirty two league titles. It just, Tennessee's uh, Tennessee last season should have jumped from a three to a two. Yes, good. And call. they just did not. And I wish Tennessee fans would remember that when they tweet me nonstop. Like I was riding for you last Selection Sunday. But to your point, that's exactly right. Um, th- those games net rarely matter. My larger point was like it's typically even if the games do matter. Big 10 title game, Big 12 title game. They're between two teams that, all right, is this team going to be a two or a three, a one or a two, a six or a seven? It's never like if you don't win this, you're, or it's rarely like if you don't win this, you're not going to the NCAA tournament. You got Georgia that one year under Dennis Felton, I think, in the SEC that, you know, stole a bid. Like they weren't going to make it unless they got the auto and they got the auto. But that's a rare situation at the power conference level. The A10, um, is going to have a championship game on CBS, America's Most Watched Network. Selection Sunday. Network of Stars, where the winner is going to make the NCAA tournament and the loser almost certainly is not. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, y'all? 
This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Okay. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. Some other interesting developments from the past two nights. Duke finished an undefeated season at home with a win over NC State. John Shires never lost inside Cameron Indoor. Let me, well, let me just real quick because I got a, a, a line in court report today and my final thoughts. Shire set a record. First coach to ever go undefeated at home in his first year and has more wins as a first year Duke coach than any Duke coach in history. Uh, is year one a success no matter what happens from here out? From here on out, where Duke is right now, if it, no matter what, Duke loses its first ACC tournament game and lo- and gets upset in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But with what Shire's done, considering the injury issues and all that, just curious: is it a success, or do you still need, or, or does he need to at least log one or two postseason wins, no matter if they come in the local bracket or on the big stage? To use your hypothetical, if if Duke loses its first ACC tournament game and then loses in the first round of the of the NCAA tournament, I don't see how you could call that a success, given they were a preseason top 10 team. How about this? I think I used the phrase, did he pass the test in year one? Has he passed the test? Yeah. I think okay. you can reasonably say, John Shire did, did all right in his first year. He had injuries, and yeah. uh, there were some ups and downs, and you know, Derek Lively didn't meet expectations. But you know, right now, Duke is ranked in the top 25 and one. And they're going to make the NCAA tournament and they never lost inside Cameron. There's enough there to say, hey, this is this went this didn't go as well as I thought it would go and not as well as I'd hoped. But it went well enough to not be concerned. I think that's reasonable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's reasonable. All right, what I think that's got? reasonable. So Duke does that. Congrats to the Blue Devils. Boise State added a massive quadrant one win over San Diego State improved its at-large case. Fun game we had on CBS Sports Network on Tuesday night. Uh, San Diego State was like up eight in the final minutes. Looked like they were in control, and Boise boy um, just took over. San Diego State made some mistakes. Max Rice was terrific, got 26 points. The crowd was incredible. Real real fun scene. Um, those are the good ones, Duke and Boise State. Some bad ones. Tennessee got a big win over Arkansas. That's great. Sakai Ziegler went down with a non-contact left knee injury. Um, We are doing this podcast. It is right now 11.48 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Um, He's obviously going to get the MRI today. We should know something, uh, the confirmation of whatever this is uh, by the end of the day. But Rick Barnes did say after the game on Tuesday night that – they believe it to be serious. And my experience with these things is these athletic trainers, they're, they're never going to say anything definitive until they get the MRI back or they're rarely going to, but they know. Like I tore my ACL, God, 25 years ago, right? Head leg? Even longer than Head that. leg? I, I tore my ACL almost 30 years ago. All right? The truth always comes out. In 1994, tore my ACL. And... The trainer diagnosed me within seconds. He was like, he grabbed my knee and he did two things. And it was like, yes, that's a torn ACL. So they know. Then they confirm, but they know. And when Rick Barnes is comfortable, not comfortable, but when Rick Barnes is publicly stating after the game, 
uh, we don't know anything for sure yet, but we we believe it to be serious. That suggests it's probably serious, and you hate to see that because Zakai Ziegler is, uh, uh, you know, one of the most important players at Tennessee. Really fun point guard, and uh, you, you don't you don't ever want to see somebody's season come to an end if that in, is in in fact what's happening on on literally the last day before March. Mm-hmm. Um, but but um, that 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 does appear to be what has probably happened with him. Oklahoma State, more bad, lost a fifth straight game, fell to the wrong side of Jerry Palm's bubble. They got work to do. And then I ain't heard anything about it on Twitter because I'm assuming they got bad internet problems in Bloomington. But Indiana got blasted at home by Iowa. How do you go to Purdue and win and then come back home and get not beaten, blasted by crazy Fran? And the Hawkeyes. Fran McCaffrey has altered the course of the season with a single stare. With one stare down, he changed everything we thought we knew about college basketball. They're plus 38 since that happened. They're plus 38 against Michigan State and Indiana. Boy, Mike, Boy- Mike, Mike Boynton needs a stare down bad. He, does. he needs know. to just, if I were Mike, I'd call John Higgins. I'd just text him, tell him to come to my house tonight, just stare at him for 73 seconds, see if I can flip this thing around. Yeah, Oklahoma State's dropped five in a row. Plays at Texas Tech needs to win that game and then win a game in the Big Twelve tournament to give itself a give itself a shot here. Indiana, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, listen, it's the podcast again. I just, I was, I was extolling their virtues on Sunday night, and now here we are. It's a good win for Iowa. It, it, it might wind up hurting Indiana in terms of you know if it wants to get on that top four seed line, geographic preference. Four and five, that's the difference there. We'll see if that's the case. But credit to the Hawkeyes for just walking right in two things happened on tuesday night michigan state walked into pinnacle bank i know you don't want to mention it but i'm going to mention it It walked right into that building and it it's just strolled right on in nebraska was up big right early nebraska walked was up in. big early and walked in and then michigan state pulled an iowa yeah michigan state got iowa and then pulled an iowa a dub in the back pocket and they walk out just like iowa just cruised out of assembly hall cruised and got a W. To the other things you mentioned, Zakai Ziegler was also, uh, it was released on Tuesday. He was a top 10 finalist for National Defensive Player of the Year. Not having him, it, it, it limits Tennessee, a Tennessee team that, that at full strength, I, I still was a, a seller on for their, their deep tournament prospects, and now even more so. And I have to go back to the Boise State thing real quick because that was an incredible broadcast. Shout out to our entire CBS Sports Network team. It was just the call, the vibes, everything about it. It was the most entertaining watch of the night. And Max Rice, Leon's son, went off. He had a, he had a shot from three from the angle that kissed off the glass. That when that went in, you were like, it's done. That was a big time development for the Mountain West. Boise State is not a lock, but it is obviously in the field now as of Wednesday morning. And what I think one more win, it's Lock City. Doesn't matter how it comes or where it comes. Might even be in if it loses two, you know, this final regular season game in the first Mountain West. Might even be in regardless of that. I would not tempt fate if I were the Broncos. But Leon Rice, and I said this on HQ on, on Tuesday night, he has been able to thrive and you know i don't want to call it like outright obscurity but it's it's boise state you're in the mountain west and your games are not the easiest to find or they tend to be on late and he's going to get this program to -to back-to-back ncaa tournaments they were an eight seed a year ago 
uh, and then got knocked out by Memphis, and now they're going to go back-to-back. It's going to be his fourth trip, but even in the years where he hasn't made the tournament, Boise State, for the most part of his tenure there, has been a 20-plus win kind of, kind of program. So he's done a good job. That was a nice development for the Broncos on Tuesday night to help the Mountain West. New Mexico avoided a loss, which would have permanently put it off the bubble. It's still not in the field, but New Mexico, Nevada, and Utah State are still chasing. They're behind Boise State. Nevada just took a loss, a tough one at Wyoming. Now it's going to host UNLV this weekend. It needs to win that game to uh, to continue to help its case. You got any more results? Because I got a few things here if you don't. Just real uh, quick, uh, did you see the Max Rice post-game interview with Dan Dickow? I did. I did not. I okay, actually, it was, it was funny because, like, you have to understand, Leon Rice was at Gonzaga. Dan Dickow is a Gonzaga legend, and so yeah. he, Dan now finds himself, um, you know, doing the post game interview. He was on the call for this Boise State game. He's talking to Max Rice, so he sets it up like he's known Max Rice since he was a baby, right? And yeah. and so he's he's setting it up. He's like, I, I I think it's something along the lines of, Hey Max, I've known you since you were a kid. Something something something. What does it mean? Something something something. And Max Rice just starts, he starts going something along the lines of, you know, people, these are my words, not his, but you'll get the point. You know, people discount this league and there's some really good teams in this league and, and people don't, uh, don't give it the respect that it deserves. And, you know, th- this, th- that team we just beat is a really good team and there's other really good teams in this league. And Dan, I don't even know what you asked me. I couldn't hear you. I'm just rambling right now. <laughs> He was like, he was like, okay, I know Dan Dickow stopped talking, so I have to start talking, but I don't really know what he just asked me because the court was stormed and it was so loud. So you had a star basketball player after an incredible performance answering a question live on national television. He had no idea what the question was. He was just, he even almost apologized. He was like, I'm sorry. I don't even know what you asked me. I'm just talking. That's good. That's a good moment. That's a good memory. That's really, really cool. And uh, look forward to probably seeing the Broncos back in the big dance. Um, I'll note UNC did win at, at Florida State, and so it's still in decent standing. It's got to win at Duke or um, at home against Duke on Saturday. We'll get to that on the next episode, but it did win on Monday night. West Virginia, you know, I, I highlight some of my more intriguing, to me, what are some of the more intriguing resumes in the country? That's the lead of today's court report. I have West Virginia in there at 17 and 13. It's got to play Kansas State at home this weekend in the Big 12 tournament. It could conceivably lose at home to K-State. If that happened, it's probably not winning the Big 12 tournament. West Virginia is going to flirt with, if not outright tie, um, Vandy and Alabama from the past like six, seven years. Uh, as the only 15 lost teams to ever get at largest in the NCAA tournament. Just keep an eye on that with the Mountaineers. They've got a they've got a funky resume, but they did get a very important win against an Iowa State team that is downright spiraling and now has to finish up the regular season this weekend by playing at Baylor. I also highlight Iowa State in Wednesday's court report because I don't know what to expect in terms of how that team will be seated. It's going to be in the tournament, but We'll see how it winds up over the next week and a half. It's a, it's a pretty fascinating group overall. Tuesday, the only other stuff we didn't really get to, Nova beat Seton Hall, locks in the sixth seed. All right. Just, I'm watching. Nova has my attention, and Eric Dixon has been one of the three best players in the Big East over the past two or three weeks. He, is, he has come on quite strong. Um, so duly noted on that. Virginia beat Clemson. Clemson now needs to have a big run in the ACC tournament. Needed to take that one. Wasn't able to do it. And we got to talk about the dog crapping on the court, right? I mean, it, it would, it would, uh, we have to do it. I, I'm not, I take no joy in doing this, but you know, this dog, this dog down in Louisville on Tuesday night, there were some 
halftime entertainment. And lo and behold, as it's getting ready to do some more of its stuff, it gets in that dog position. The tail starts to bend. The hind legs get a little bit higher. Drops a heater right there on the hardwood. What in the world? Louisville. What a season for Louisville. As everyone correctly pointed out, if ever there was an appropriate and apropos, a poetic symbol of what the season has been for the Cardinals, it was a dog taking a dump on the court. And that's exactly what happened. Like everybody knows Louisville. I guess everybody knows. Louisville's four and 26 overall, two and seven in the ACC. They're two and se- two and 17 in the ACC. They're two and 17 in a bad ACC. I mean, what are we doing? And it just, it sounds like, you know, all of the reporters out of Louisville who I trust are just sort of like, yeah, they're, you know, we're going to do it again next year. And that's yeah, fine. I don't care. But like, they're going to give them a second. They should. They should give them a second year. You, you, why, okay, let me stop here. Why should they? Why should they? Because, you don't have an answer for why no, should they? I understand what you're saying. I, I think it would be only we've we talked about this like a couple months ago. Um, but Kenny Payne didn't inherit the easy situation. It doesn't excuse how. Neither bad did Jerome happened. Tang. Neither did I, Dennis Gates. I, I, neither I, I, did Chris Gans. I, I know. 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 You could you could argue that his situation was the worst of all of them, but um, he is an alum. He played there. He's the first black coach in the history of that program in a in a city that that prides itself on a lot of these elements there, and it would be an awful look to fire him after the first year. So I believe Kenny Payne is deserving of at least a second season, uh, particularly because of also the reputation he carries with all of that. So that that would be my case for it. But I know the counter to that would be. If behind the scenes you think you just don't have the momentum, you might have made the wrong hire, just pull the plug now. That could be the case, but th- there's something to be said that, that maybe that won't be. Maybe we'll be talking about the Cardinals in the middle of next January and they're in third place in the ACC. You know, it's possible. It's not likely, but it is possible. So I, I just think there's still, we need more data. That, that would be my, that, my case for it right now. I acknowledge um, being a prominent alum matters and that should be considered. Being the first black head coach, in school history is something that matters and should be considered. But really when I hear people make the case for Kenny Payne getting a second year, though, those are the only things they say. Uh, like uh, uh, you say you could see them. Maybe they finish third next year. I, I doubt it. I, right? I'm just saying like, you know, it, it, more likely they finish in the bottom three as opposed to the top three. And then what they'll do it next year. They'll do it after next year. My whole thing is if you are, if you have decided, yeah, we'll do it after two bad years. If you've decided that, and I'm confident they have, because anybody would do it after two bad years, especially at a program like Louisville. If you've decided that, we will do it after next year. If next year's bad, well, then what are you waiting on? Because next year's probably going to be bad. I hear you. I know. And a dog took a dump on the court. And a dog took a dump on the court. I mean, I mean Lord. And these are, these are animals that are trained to do this. Like, uh, has this has this canine ever done this before? It was it was funny all too. It could have been any court uh, in any arena in the country, and of course, it had to be Louisville. I only got one more thing before we preview the week. In fact, this can be the segue here. On Thursday night in the Horizon League tournament, uh, the top seed is Youngstown State. It's going to play Detroit Mercy, and we could have history here. And coincidentally enough, it's going to come just a few weeks removed from. 
from what LeBron James did when he passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time NBA scoring record. Antoine Davis uh, dropped 38 points on Tuesday night in the opening round of the Horizon League tournament. His Detroit Mercy team won 81-68. And so now he needs 26 to have the all-time record in men's D1. He is averaging, over his past nine games, he's averaging 34.4 points. He has been shooting for this record for a while here. And more power to him. More power to him. Year five, he's getting it done. Uh, eight of his past nine games, he has gone for more than than 30. And in all nine of his past games, he has scored more than 26 points. He needs 26 to pass Pete Maravich. It's not a guarantee. It just feels like a 90% proposition at this point. So that will be Thursday night, some Horizon League quarterfinal action worth watching what else we got on the docket here well, for uh, well let me ask you this at at okay. so Antoine Day let's assume he does break this record in his next game yeah. that's going to be 144 games yeah he, he played Maravich did it in like 88 games or something 83 83 uh, that's just an so that's like, outrageous that he did it in 83 all right so like I, I struggle with like how big of a deal is this uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the all-time scoring record in college basketball, and it did take him five years. So there is, you know, the same way that we were saying Pete Maravich did, and you wouldn't believe it. He did it in three years and without a three-point line. It'll be Antoine Davis did it, but he did it in five right. years, and he had a COVID year. It's just going to be it's going to be the aside to it, but he's going to have the record. I mean, he's going he he had the eligibility. I have heard from a few folks who are kind of like, shouldn't this have an asterisk? No, I mean, he had the eligibility. They gave him the bonus year, and he was able to to use it so no it's 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 his the 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 odd aspect to all this or just it's just a bummer it's like detroit mercy has been a non-factor like it's never made the tournament it's never been a good team since he's been there but he decided to stay with his pops the same way that maravich did and uh, he could have transferred elsewhere i mean not, he wouldn't have been averaging as many in other spots at high majors as he is here but he decided to stay behind and finish out his career with his dad at detroit mercy and now He's highly likely. He's highly likely to do it. It's not a guarantee, but all he needs is 26, and he's done that or more in nine straight games. Well, I look forward to watching him do it. All right, or at least seeing a highlight of him doing it. Before we get out of here, let's look ahead to the next couple nights on Wednesday. Let me run you through some games, dead leg. You tell me what you're looking forward to. Number 19, Xavier at number 20, Providence. Auburn at number two, Alabama. DePaul at number 14, UConn. Number 21, Maryland at Ohio State. Vanderbilt at number 23, Kentucky. Number 25, Pitt at Notre Dame. Oklahoma at number 11, Kansas State. Number 9, Texas at number 22, TCU. Chicago State at number 10, Gonzaga. It's true. Hey, credit to the Zags. They they play 16 league games. They wanted to squeeze uh squeeze one more run in before the WCC. Well, well, they do have a situation where because of the setup of the WCC tournament, they play their final what is typically their final regular season game on a Saturday, and then they don't play again until the following Monday. Yes. So that's what like a ten gate ten day layoff. So this is just get nine, but yeah. Okay, let's count it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you play again on Monday. So technically eight days off in between games. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just get 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 five other bodies on the court and let's run around a little bit and improve our field goal percentage. That's what this is. Hey, that's but it's going down. It's going down tonight. Chicago State. Best game of the 
No, the nine is Texas at TCU uh, for reasons we detailed before. Xavier Providence is a lot of fun, and and, and I'm look forward to seeing it. Uh, Xavier waiting to get Zach Fremantle back, and I don't have any updates on that, but I I would guess that they're going to hold him till the Big East tournament. They close this weekend at Butler at home, but maybe you want to if he's good enough. I don't know if he's good enough to go. If he's good enough, you try and get him on the floor there. Utah State needs to win at UNLV. That's CBS Sports Network eleven Eastern. GP will be in studio eleven Eastern. You're loving it, baby. Um, and so he'll be in studio for that. And, uh, Penn state at Northwestern is another one between unranked teams. That's, that's, that's meaningful. Uh, meaningful for Northwestern seating. Penn state needs to, I mean, it's got to really, it's got to win. It's got to win this game and then win against Maryland and then win in the big 10 tournament. And then we'll see what, what we can do there. But there's, there's plenty and we're updating the bubble watch daily at cbsports.com. So also if you're, just wanting to know, all right, who do I have to watch where and when, what channels, what, what teams are playing that are really playing to uh, to secure their spot in the field or, or just on the fence. We do have that daily. Texas at TCU is my most anticipated game of the night. Maryland, by the way, I will note this. Uh, Kevin Willard also, I think Matt Painter, Kevin Willard, Chris Collins all have Big Ten Coach of the Year viability at this point. If Maryland wins at Ohio State, which is certainly on the table, um, he's worth consider- He's just worth... He's worth a look. That's all. I actually think it's a pretty compelling argument among those three. Again, if Willard can win on Wednesday, I find it uncompelling. Matt Painter, not picked to win the Big Ten, wins it and has a, according to Jerry Palm, projected number one seed right now. Yeah, no, I I got you. Matt Painter should be your Big Ten Coach of the Year. I I would have feel strongly about that on Thursday. Wichita State at number one Houston. Arizona State at number four, UCLA. Big game for Arizona State. Big game. And big game for UCLA if you're trying to get a one seed. I would have UCLA as a one seed right now ahead of Purdue, but I recognize uh, Jerry Palm does not, and I respect Jerry Palm. But if UCLA is trying to crack that top four to get a one seed, um, you need to knock this out at home against the Sun Devils. I am a Sun Devil. Number five, Purdue at Wisconsin. Number eight, Arizona at USC. And then there's some games of note between unranked teams. Michigan at Illinois, Rutgers at Minnesota, Florida Atlantic at Rice, and Memphis is at SMU. It'll be Kendrick Davis's return to the school where he won AAC Player of the Year last season. I'm sure he'll get a boo or two. Man, these are the glory days. March is here, okay? It's here, and like the next two nights are loaded. We also have... If you're into the postseason stuff, the ASUN, tur- ASUN tournament, Horizons going on, Sunbelt, WCC, Missouri Valley, all those, t- a Patriot League, they're all playing on on Thursday as well. So we are overloaded. But everything that GP just mentioned for Thursday's schedule, there's either like significant seating situations attached to it or, or outright bubble stuff like USC hosting Arizona. USC, got to have the game. Um, Purdue at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, got to have it to be in the field. They also detailed in the court report. Purdue for its one seed potential, like went on the road, get it done. Michigan, we know the situation there and what and what it means overall. Uh, Memphis is one of those teams that's like quietly in the field, but you know, on the road, uh, get a win. Arizona State at UCLA, Arizona State, another one. They're like they might be, uh, depending on your point of view here, they might be the last team in or the first team out, or they're they're right in that group right now. And if uh, if Bobby Hurley can get it done, that would be quite significant. You mentioned Wichita State also detailed in today's court report because I noticed this a couple weeks ago. I was looking at some transfers. 
Wichita State former players around the country are thriving. And in, in parts, this happened because Greg Marshall got fired. But our, Ricky Council at Arkansas, he, he played there. He was transferred this season, but he, he's been one of the best transfers in the country. Jamarius Burton, first-team All-ACC guy, played under Greg Marshall. Eric Stevenson, who's traveled a bunch of pl- spots, was at Wichita State. Morris Udesi at New Mexico at Wichita State, Grant Sherfield at Wichita State, Dexter Dennis at, at Wichita State. Now he's at AM. So most of these guys played together, and now they're at other spots. They are, they are personally thriving, and most of them are headed to the NCAA tournament. That is detailed in today's court report. Um, we might see more situations like this with the portal going forward, but this was the first instance I could ever recall where you had a bunch of guys who no one really knew who they were when they were together. They've all since left, and now they are thriving across the country in same, different spots. Same thing happened to the Beatles. Uh, not exactly. Everyone knew the Beatles were awesome when they were together. By the way, today's the 50 year anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon being released. GP, are you a Pink Floyd fan? I was like every other when I was 16 years old. I was like every other 16 year old in the history of the world. But then you grow out of it, I think. No, no, no. There's no growing out of it. So you're not you're not listening to Floyd anymore. I have not listened to Pink Floyd in a long time. I think you know what? If you got a minute today, pop in the earbuds. I don't have a minute today. Dark Side is my favorite record, and I'm a I'm an animals guy personally, but a very very big Pink Floyd fan. And just you know what, cue up, cue up time, little us and them. Just get get refamiliarized real quick. That's all. Maybe I will. You got an edible or two I could borrow? I don't. I don't. I don't know how many. I was thinking about this though. I don't know how many. Like 300 years from now, provided we still have an operating planet, which seems up in the air. Yeah, I doubt that. But if it, that is the case, how many records from the 1900s, you know, the 20th century, if you will, will still be listened to? And I don't know how many there will be. It might be five, 10, 20 that are like referenced or still uh, in, in American culture. But I'm pretty confident that if there is a list of, say, 10 of them, that Dark Side of the Moon will will remain in that group. I, I think it is, uh, it is a timeless record. And and it was released 50 years ago today. Well, I thought about this. Like you hear like Justin Timberlake sells his entire catalog for hundreds of millions of dollars. Justin Bieber just did it. I think he sold his entire catalog for like $200 million. And on some, on some level you go, geez, you want to really give up all that, all those uh, rights and sources of income forever. On the other hand, who's going to be listening to Justin Bieber songs a hundred years from now. Exactly. Like, why wouldn't you sell all your stuff? That's like right. you only, you only live once. Why not get all the money you could ever need right now? And just have the best life you can have and not worry about who's going to be making money off of your music in 100 years. Because the, like you noted accurately, the planet probably won't even be here in 100 years. And it won't mean a thing in 100 years, the great philosopher John Popper once wrote. So, no, it's a, it's a point well taken. And congrats to those folks for, for getting their money. Uh, before we get out of here, and let's get out of here, I do want to ask everyone that enjoyed the intro, thank you and do... Leave a comment on the YouTube page. Rate the podcast on whatever service. If you have not done yet, please continue to do it because it is a it is a passion project. It's done out of love. And I made sure just for Gary Parrish mm. have Jim Nance do the <laughs> Robert Dozier. Okay. okay. Let me ask you this. Did, yes. does, he, does he even know that he ever said Dozier for the championship? Thank you for asking because he had no idea. <laughs> so, I, so I corresponded with him. I was hitting him back and forth. And then I was like, Jim, just you got to call me. I got to explain something to you. So he did. He called and I was like, here's listen, here's the deal. You know, you, you had this call, you know, you had the Hayward call, but Robert Dozier almost hit it. So I laid it out for him. I was like, this is an, an inside joke on the pod or audience will really love it. And he's like, 
did I did I do that? Was after the Chalmers one? He's like, oh yes, actually I do remember. He was going from my right to my left, and so he started to like yeah, visually amazing. remember it. And then he's like, yeah, no, I I got you. So I I scripted it out for him, and he was willing to do it. But there was a moment where I was like, I have to explain this to him. He's because I can't. I did not have him read that blind, and then and then he got it, and then. I said, listen, just channel your inner. Remember that energy you brought for the How I Met Your Mother episode you did? And he got a, he cracked up at that. So he uh, he brought it. And in all sincerity, man, that was it came it literally this idea came to me in the shower like a month ago where I was like, I, what am I going to do for this episode? Like, how am I going to what what on earth should I do? And then I was like, wait, it is Nance's last year. Maybe we could get him to do something. And he is a sport. He is super busy. He's about to be ridiculously busy, but he is. Come on, man. He is the he is the voice of March Madness, and he is. This will not be repeated. Thirty seven years calling the tournament with thirty two Final Fours. That's not ever happening again. I can't wait for Iron Eagle to get on the mic. I think he's phenomenal and is the pick to replace Jim Nance. But we had to give Nance his flowers and look forward to doing so throughout the rest of the next four or five weeks as he calls his final one this year on CBS. Maybe in addition to Bill Self University, we need a Jim Nance University. Quite possibly so. Yes. I would enroll in that, too. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Over at Apple, five stars. Nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. Did you talk to Jim Nance about that? Should I talk to Jim Nance about that? Should I have asked Jim Nance to say there are more of us than there are of them? I don't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Missed opportunity. If you had Jim Nance at the end of that saying there is more of us than there are of them. <laughs> you would have lost it. You would have lost it. Uh, uh, by the way, we won't spoil it now, but we got some more good stuff coming on the pod. Do we? So, Oh, we yeah, got we good, this is gonna be a good month. Okay, there's a lot of cool stuff happening with the podcast, and uh, you will you will enjoy it immensely. So just stay tuned on all of that stuff uh, as we continue to drift deeper into the month. Appreciate you guys. Special shouts to Norlander and Nada for getting that intro done. It was uh, terrific, and we're gonna talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.